Welcome to Untold Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Osama Gawish. Two weeks ago, ballistic missiles launched from Russia. Columns of tanks rolled across the Ukrainian border, and Russian President Vladimir Putin declared the war against Ukraine. In the meantime, a network of pro-Russian propaganda social media channels were ready to spread the Russian propaganda on Putin's term. It is not a war. It is a comprehensive military operation to defend Russian national security. Yet, the Russian narrative on social media is based on claims like Russia is not targeting civilians or residential areas. Russia reacted to the Ukrainian provocation and protected itself against NATO and a broad wave of disinformation and fake news. A clear example of this was that ABC News reported last week that some of the most popular posts falsely claiming Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has fled are aimed at an international audience. The Russian news outlet Sputnik ran translated versions of the story in English and Spanish, Portuguese and Vietnamese. Despite the evidence that Zelensky remains in Kiev, Sputnik and TASS have not removed their claims or added corrections. The story has also been republished in Italy, India and China. Another example of the pro-Russian propaganda was the trending hashtag on Twitter, I stand with Russia and I stand with Putin. Last week, Twitter panned more than 100 accounts that pushed the pro-Russian hashtag I stand with Putin for participating in coordinating inauthentic behavior days after the hashtag trended on Twitter amid the invasion in Ukraine. Today is our guest, Mark Owen Jones. He was the first to flag the suspicious tweets. He tweeted his analysis, evidence, and conclusion of the pro-Russian hashtags after he analyzed around 20,000 Twitter interactions involving 9,600 unique accounts. Mark is an assistant professor of Middle East studies at Hamad bin Khalifa University in Qatar. He lectures and researches political repression and informational control strategies. His recent work has focused on how social media has been used to spread disinformation and fake news in the Middle East and during the Russia-Ukrainian war. In March 2019, Mark published the Gulf Information War Propaganda, Fake News and Fake Trends, the weaponization of Twitter bots in the Gulf crisis in the International Journal of Communication. He also specialized in providing timely analysis on disinformation campaigns and has taken an active role in numerous high-profile investigations. He has written for numerous international media outlets, including The Washington Post, CNN, The Independent, and The New Statements. His work features in publications such as New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, and The Guardian. So let me welcome our guest speaker today, Mark Owen Jones. Mark, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, Asama, thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it's great to be here on your show. And um, I uh, look forward to chatting uh, about disinformation and propaganda with you. My bread and butter. Thank you very much. And before we kick off our discussion with Mark, for our listeners, you can join the discussion, ask questions or make a comment or contribution on our conversation. Just press the call button and you will be held in a caller queues and then the floor will be yours. So, Mark, let me start this conversation with your fascinating work in the last two weeks. On the 3rd of March, you tweeted a very important thread about the two hashtags, I stand with Russia and I stand with Putin, which gathered the attention of many international news outlets globally. And would you please tell me more about this work? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I don't want to assume too much or too little from the listeners, but I'll just briefly explain how I got the data of what it was and how I analyze it. So the two key hashtags I thought were interesting were I stand with Putin and I stand with Russia. And these are interesting of themselves because I would say the dominant narrative that we were getting at the time was general sympathy towards Ukraine. After all, Ukraine is a much smaller country and it was invaded by uh, a superpower, a nuclear power. So generally it was understandable that there'd be sympathy towards Ukraine. So it was very surprising, I suppose, or not surprising if you study this information, to see these hashtags saying, I stand with Putin and I stand with Russia. So I downloaded a sample of them. Now, the total amount of tweets that existed on the hashtag probably 
probably went in uh, well over 100,000 of I stand with Putin. I downloaded these and I analyzed them. So when I analyze them using, in this case, network analysis, we can tell a number of things. We can see who is influential on that hashtag. We can see who is tweeting a lot on that hashtag. We can see what they are tweeting, uh, who they're tweeting at. It basically gives us an idea. It allows us to map out the hashtag and basically try and make uh, educated assumptions or determinations about which accounts might be real, which might be fake, and is there any evidence of coordinated inauthentic behavior. Now, coordinated inauthentic behavior is the term that Facebook and Twitter use to, to basically determine whether accounts are behaving in a way that is designed to, um, to boost a certain message, and usually those accounts will have some sort of uh, negative or malicious intent. So that's the term they use. So this technique allows us to do that. And when I analyzed these accounts, I did definitely find a suspicious activity, which I'm happy to detail further if you wish. Yeah, 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 please. What do you mean by suspicious yeah. activity? So when, when you, the more you study Twitter, the more you start noticing patterns in people's behavior. So there's a number of telltale signs um, that you can use to screen suspicious activity. Now, one of them here was... Uh, a core, core group of accounts that were very active. Now, this means that they were using the hashtag a lot as if they really wanted the hashtag to trend. Now, obviously, that can usually indicate someone is passionate about something, but it can also indicate that someone is, um, you know, deliberately invested in trying to make something more prominent. Hmm. You can also then look for outlying clusters. Now, what I mean by that is accounts that interact with each other or others in specific ways or that they all seem to be using similar software. You can also spot other patterns, like where a group of accounts created in a very short space of time were tweets or retweets sent very quickly in a very short space of time. All these things can be seen as red flags in terms of de determining suspicious activity. And when you see a number of those things together, it increases the chance that there is some evidence of suspicious activity. So this is what I noticed. There was a number of uh, red flags. So what we saw was um, bot networks. So bots are automated accounts that send tweets, um, mainly belonging to marketing companies. So these were bot networks that had about over 100 accounts or 150 accounts, I think, that actually used to belong to real people, but then they would have been hacked and then sold. So these, are, these used to belong to real people. Some of these accounts still had their old tweets where they were sharing photos and that kind of thing. And they'd been taken over and then sold to a third party who is then using those accounts to uh, amplify uh, you, you this hashtag. Mark, yes, weekend. sorry. This is a tricky point. I, I'm not a, an expert here on social media like you, sure. but um, I have experienced some kinds of online trolls, especially from Egypt and Gulf countries yeah. in the recent years. So yeah. how you can know or explore that this hashtag or this account is not real, it's a troll or a bot? Uh, good question. There's Unfortunately, there's not one perfect way to answer this. It depends on the type of account. So let me give you an example. Yeah. So an account like this. So imagine, um, imagine you open an account, Osama, in 2008, okay, and you're really active on Twitter for maybe a year, and then you stop using it. This actually happens to so many people. We're talking millions. And when they stop using their ha account, it becomes vulnerable. So someone will hack that account. So imagine someone hacking your account. You don't even know about it because you don't even use Twitter. And then they use your photo, they use your bio, and they're tweeting from your account. But what you intend to see when you look at these accounts, you'll see that they, um, there's like a big time gap when they stop tweeting. So maybe, you know, if you stopped tweeting in 2009 and then started again in 2013, that can be a suspicious indicator. So you can check people's timelines. Hmm. You can also see, for example, sometimes they don't change the, they don't change the handle. You know, you're, you have an at sign and then you have your name. Sometimes they don't change it. So what you'll have is like a, a, an English sounding name, for example, like John Smith. Hmm. But then they'll change the actual name on Twitter to like, you know, Osama or something yeah. in Arabic. Or, and so you'll see these discrepancies that people don't always notice. Usually they try and fix this and it's not always obvious. But this might be an example of how you kind of can tell. Or you'll see that the old tweets are in English and the new tweets are in a different language whether it's Urdu or French or Spanish or Arabic. Yeah. But you can see these long-term patterns in how accounts behave. But honestly, some of the methods required to detect these, you, you do need to look at more than one account together because so much of detecting fake accounts is about looking at patterns. And you can only see patterns when you're looking at 
several accounts together, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, and you told the NBC, which was one of the uh, international news outlets who covered your um, yeah. work on Twitter, you said, and I quote, they are not bots. They are a lot harder to check than that. How do you explain this? Yeah. Okay, so in the overall, uh, I stand with Putin, I stand with Russia, you have different actors. You had the bots and then you have trolls. So what I mean by trolls, a troll is a human being. Um, you... Uh, and it depends on the situation. We know from evidence that there are places around the world, including in the, the Gulf, India, Europe, where groups of people operate in what is like a call center, right? But instead of answering phones, they are operating Twitter accounts. So imagine this. Imagine you're one person. You open 10 different Twitter accounts. Now, Twitter allows one account to send 2,400 tweets per day. Hmm. Now, imagine you have 10 accounts, right? You know, that's already, if one account can send 2,400, then, you know, 10 accounts can send 24,000 tweets. And then you have 10 different people, each with accounts. You can send tens and hundreds of thousands of tweets in a day. These are real people, but they're basically, you know, um, operating multiple... Mark, I'm sorry. Something happened with your voice. There is more of them than there are. And they could be spreading anything from propaganda to disinformation. The tr problem is... Is because they're real people, Twitter's algorithms, Twitter's automatic systems that detect fake activity, often see those people as human because they are human. So they don't flag those accounts. So it's much harder to detect a troll because a troll is a human being than it is to detect a bot, which has pre-programmed automatic and um, behavior that can trigger Twitter's fan detection. Yeah. Right? So Mark, can you hear me well? Uh, excuse me, Mark. Can you hear? Me? Can you hear me well? Hello. Um, Mark, are you still there? Sorry. I I I can't hear you well. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because something changed in your voice. So. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah, um, I won't say that in the day that um, I stand with Russia and I stand with Putin, uh, we're trending globally. In Egypt, in Arabic, there were two similar hashtags. We all support Russia and I stand with Putin in Arabic and they were trending in Egypt in Arabic. Um, there is, um, how can I say, there is a relation between these things, pots or trolls internationally work together in a different language at the same time? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it depends on the nature of the operation. So what I've seen in many defamation campaigns, especially big ones, is that a group of accounts that appear to be will be tweeting in multiple languages. Right? So you'll have some speaking in English. Sorry, you'll have some speaking in English yeah. and uh, some speaking in Arabic and some speaking in other languages. So you will have this. And depending on the scale of the operation, it's not uncommon for there, for there to be like an international aspect to this to these campaigns uh, so it doesn't surprise me that we saw one in egypt um or you know there's there's i've seen them in chinese as well for example yeah and there the, um was one of the heroes of this propaganda pro-russian propaganda campaign and let me ask you who is steve kevin and what was his role <laughs> in the pro-russian propaganda and disinformation steve kevin is a good friend of mine. No, he's not. He's uh, <laughs> Steve Kevin is one of the, the the good examples of a troll. So let's just say there was obviously hundreds of accounts, but sometimes it's useful to focus in, focus in on one account. And and I focused in on the Steve Kevin. So Steve Kevin was one of the accounts spreading the "I stand with Putin" uh, hashtag. Um, he was one of the most influential on that hashtag. He had thousands of likes and thousands of retweets on his tweet, the pro-Putin tweet. But what I found out is that Steve Kevin had taken a profile picture of uh, a real person and it was actually a fake account. Now, when I reverse, if you do a reverse image search of Steve Kevin's profile picture, you'll find that he's actually, funnily enough, a guy who's been linked to several dating scams. Right. So I found a Polish Facebook page where there was loads of pictures of Steve Kevin or whatever his real name was. Uh, he'd had like 30 different names, but it was the same picture. And he'd been trying to uh, fool women into giving him money 
very much like the Tinder swindler, if anyone's seen that. This guy was the... Uh... So it was... Uh, he, he, he was kind of revealed, but he was pretending that he was a doctor uh, based in Atlanta, Georgia. And but you could see from his his Twitter account, like his English wasn't great, even though he obviously was trying to claim to be a na native speaker. Um, he claimed he was a doctor, but he had a really bizarre bio saying that he was a specialist in uh, elbows, knees, low back and other things. And that he was a specialist in child, children, adults and teen. So there was just these odd things about his account that didn't make sense that made me look into him further. And um, yeah, so he was using a stolen photo, which is, again, very common with troll accounts. And he was um, also, so whoever had used that account hadn't checked properly, and they happened to be using a picture that had been exploited in many other uh, scams in the past. Yeah, and the same, I think, for an account called Dr. Adhira? Yeah, so Dr. Adhira was um, the, the one of, also the one of the most influential accounts on the I Stand With Putin hashtag. So, you know, as an aside, Osama, what's very useful to do is when, when you identify these networks is to find the most influential accounts and then examine a few of them as case studies. And Dr. Adhira was, um, it, she was an account who only had a, a few tweets, maybe 20 or 30, even though mm -hmm. her account was very old, which again is quite suspicious. Her profile picture was of a woman wearing a blue jumper and wearing a, a mask. Obviously it was meant to, I guess, show that she was a responsible doctor. Um, but it looked like a kind of stock photo and it took me a while, but I did a few reverse image searches, and then eventually I found that her photo or a similar photo was used on the page of a Pakistani gynecologist. And so when I saw that, I thought, hang on, this must be a stock photo. So I went to Shutterstock, and I think I searched for Indian woman plus mask, and then I found a, the photo of Dr. Dhira in a different pose, but I went to the contributor, and then I, and I saw that he'd posted the exact same photo that Adhira, Dr. Adhira was using, and then the only difference was that it had been flipped on the vertical axis. So if you download a photo, you can just press a button and it will switch. So it like flips. It's hard to explain, but you can see, you see it. So it just makes it harder for people to find. So what you have in disinformation operations, people, when they steal photos, they'll often flip it on one axis. So it makes it harder to search in a reverse image search. And, um, you know, a few, I think a few hours after I did this thread about Dr. Adhira, she deleted her account, which, again, is very indicative of, of guilt or suspicious mm -hmm. activity. Okay. Um, let's we imagine now I'm working with um, Sputnik or Russia Today, okay, and I'm listening to your explanation, your analysis. I can argue this, Mark, with, okay, you are talking about um, Steve Kevin or Dr. Adhira or 10 or dozens of accounts, but how can you prove that this hashtag is a pro-Russia propaganda? Well, so to prove that it's pro-Russian propaganda is easy. To prove that it's Russia behind it is difficult. In the sense, it's pro-Russian propaganda because it's the, pro the definition of that would be any information that serves to promote the Russian side of the story, to promote uh, Ukraine as the, the 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 aggressor and Russia as the victim. So this is what these hashtags were doing and the content of the actual hashtags themselves was often quite clear so this doctor here for example said Zelensky was a clown and that anyone with a brain should be supporting Putin right so whether you like it or not that is definitely pro-Putin pro-Russian propaganda trying to prove that it's connected to Russia is is difficult and you know, in many cases like this hashtag, some of the most engaged tweets were people against the hashtag. And you told NBC about this behavior. What does it mean? They are real people with authentic accounts who are helping the hashtag to trend or they are trolls too? Yeah, well, I think it's a bit of both. But honestly, I think m most of the people engaged in doing this are doing so in good faith. So we've probably all tweeted on a hashtag that we don't like and saying, I don't like this hashtag, or this hashtag is stupid, or this message is propaganda. But by using the hashtag, then we are promoting it. So when someone sees something trending, they'll see I stand with Putin trending. They don't know, unless they click on it and explore it in detail, that that hashtag is going to be people who really are against the hashtag. They'll just see that it's trending, and many will just see that message. It's like seeing a newspaper headline, I stand with Putin, and not reading the actual text. And lots of people will do that. And there's, you know, there was, 
there's other activity that about the hashtag that was not it was kind of could be argued to be neutral but it was designed to farm engagement to create engagement and this is another one of the arguments i make is there was this interesting technique being used where people and i found about almost a thousand accounts doing this unique accounts doing the same thing they were saying rt for russia so retweet for russia or unlike for uh ukraine or like for zelensky yeah. so you know obviously on twitter you can retweet or you can like yeah and so what i found was that hundreds of these tweets had thousands and thousands of engagement where people would just retweet for russia or like for zelensky i mean i tended to find that most people liked zelensky more but what's the point in having this account these kind of tweets violate twitter's terms and conditions because they are just about gaming engagement ratios but what they also do and this is important is that they they do two things they create lots of noise so they increase the noise to signal ratio so that means it's harder for people to find accurate important relevant useful information about the ukraine conflict because if they click on top tweets when they search they're more likely they're more than likely going to see a lot of these uh, kind of pointless tweets of rt for russia and and like the zelensky so it creates noise which is a distraction and it dilutes the other information but it also think, does this thing and i think yeah. sorry go on i think this is um, a fundamental difference between the disinformation and the propaganda yeah if if you if you join a trend like this even if you are against you are joining the propaganda but if you retweet yeah. the the russian narrative you are now joining the disinformation campaign just correct me if i misunderstand yeah. this no no i mean i think there's a point in that i think the point i'm saying is there's a, these particular types of tweets they're trying to create uh, a two sides of the story issue now when i say that i mean when you look at something like israel and palestine and you read bbc news often they create a two sides narrative like let's hear the palestinian side let's then hear the israeli side like both sides are equal which is which they're not right we know that israel has more guns and is engaging the pride it's the same with uh ukraine and russia if you just try to create a two sides narrative like ukraine or russia zelensky or putin it's like a football match you're creating that false parity so this to me is also pro russian propaganda and to go back to your earlier point i think in theory anyone who promotes that hashtag is engaging in pro russian propaganda yes hmm. whether they're doing intentionally or not is a different question but remember intention is the crucial difference between disinformation and misinformation if you spread something unintentionally it's misinformation if you spread it intentionally it's disinformation and um, if if we talk mark about the russian propaganda what russia want from the social media users now just put i stand with uh, putin or i stand with russia as a trending hashtag or just support the russian narrative um i think i think the main aim actually is that they don't necessarily expect people to support the russian narrative one of the main aims is to obviously they would like that but it's not realistic one of the main aims is to distract people from what's going on so like i said increase the noise the signal ratio the other thing is to um make people argue about something else or make the protagonists of the battle seem different so a lot of the content on the hashtags is about talking about western intervention in or western invasions of iraq afghanistan or western bombing of syria not to mention russian invasions of chechnya or bombing of syria or the wagner group's intervention in libya so they're trying to turn the narrative to to like this is the us versus russia so that's again like the, what i mentioned before instead of trying to make it seem like a big power is invading a smaller country like ukraine they're just trying to make it sound like this is a battle between russia and us so again then people are going to take sides they're like oh the west is hypo- you know it's guilty of hypocrisy which is which is obviously true yeah. uh, and so will support Russia. So that's one of the things they're trying to do. So I don't think it's about trying to necessarily get people on board it's about ter- shifting the discourse to this west versus russia narrative or nato mm. versus russia. Okay, and from the day one of this war there is and I said that in my introduction they are saying that this is not a war this is a comprehensive military operation to defend russian national security and also um russia is not targeting civilians or residential uh, area and we all heard uh, lavrov uh, saying this in a press conference so um 
one more time, the question is, Mark, the, the Russian mm. narrative, this propaganda, these trolls helping to spread uh, the Russian narrative, because also on Twitter, we have a TikTok and we have Telegram, which mm. is most popular in Russia. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, we see this on Telegram. We see this through both state and non-state, uh, you know, actors. I mean, if we actually break down the Russian propaganda, it's pretty it's pretty standard. It's to lie about civilian casualties, to lie about the fact that they target those people. It's to pretend that their special military operation, aka invasion, is actually having a brutal effect. It's to make the Ukrainians seem evil by comparing them to Nazis and to say that they're also attacking civilians and using those civilians as human shields. I mean, we see the same narratives used in every conflict. Like, again, going back to the Israel-Gaza thing, you know, they, Israelis always accuse the Palestinians of using human shields. The Russians are doing exactly the same. In fact, I remember on day one of the invasion, I said, how long before they accused Ukrainians of using civilians as human shields? The next yeah. day on Sputnik, there was something about, the, the, you know, Ukrainians using civilians as human shields. So all these narratives are propaganda. So anyone who are somehow spreading propaganda. Um, Mark, I think, there is a problem with your voice. I can't hear you well. I think I'm back now. Yeah, okay. I can hear you now. Yeah, I can hear you. I don't know why I did that. Okay, you were talking about the propaganda about Sputnik and RT. This is the last word I heard from you. Yeah. So I, I was just saying that Sputnik and RT, they, um, you know, they are pushing out the narratives and the narratives that we see on Sputnik and RT are good indicators of the other types of narratives we'll see elsewhere. Yeah. On the first day of the invasion, there was all these classic propaganda techniques. You know, they were they were basically doing two things. They were demonizing the Ukrainians by saying that the Ukrainians uh, that the Ukrainians were um, attacking civilians, and they were also saying that the Ukrainians were using civilians as human shields, uh, which is obviously. Not true, but we see this happen in every context. Every aggressor will accuse the person they're attacking of using civilians as human shields. And we've seen the Russians do this. So everyone using these narratives is basically spreading propaganda. And I think another important question, Mark, as an expert on this, from your perspective, who stands behind this kind of propaganda or disinformation? Yeah. Can we, we say it is totally governmental approach or maybe it is individually, some individuals who believe in Russia, who believe in Putin, so they are talking with their thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's never going to be one entity behind this, right? What we'll have is we'll have the, the Russian state media, which is media controlled. They'll be putting out a narrative. They'll be putting out a narrative, the state media, that is desired by the regime. And sometimes that narrative will be a useful starting point for people who are sympathetic to Russia to follow. But we have to bear in mind there's plenty of people around the world who are more sympathetic to Russia, who who will find ways of trying to legitimize or justify their own support for Putin and then create those narratives. And we live in an age now, we live in a post-truth age where people are distrustful of the mainstream media. So a lot of what the stuff I've seen, for example, is like, oh, we know that, you know, the Western media lied about Iraq. They lied about WMD, which is true. They did. And but because of that lack of trust, that lack of trust sometimes makes people just believe well, the opposite must be true. If CNN is lying, then that must mean Russia today is telling the truth, right? So that's just people, you know, who are critical of their own media, but going too far in their trust in another superpower, right? Hmm. So, you know, we can't just attribute this kind of propaganda to, 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 to the state because people have all sorts of complex reasons for believing what they do. Yeah, and what we know so far that it is a pro-Russian propaganda. But what about Ukraine, Mark, and the West? Did you monitor any kind of propaganda and disinformation from the other side? Yeah, I mean, so we know, I mean, I'm, I'm not prioritizing that as much um, because at the end of the day, I see Russia is the aggressor in this context. And I think yeah. it's important to exhibit solidarity. But yes, of course, there's going to be propaganda coming out of Ukraine. And we've seen that we've seen, uh, you know, I mean, one of the most obvious ones, I suppose, is these ideas that, um, you know, the Ukraine is obviously putting up fierce resistance, but there is some, I suppose, exaggerated stories about, you know, these mythical characters like the ghost of Kiev, for example. The ghost of Kiev is meant to be this uh, Ukrainian fighter pilot who's who's managing to shoot down like dozens of 
well, not dozens, but many Russian planes, right? So these, yeah. these information operations, if they are, or just these myths that build, are designed to increase morale above Ukrainians. And these are definitely examples of what could be considered propaganda. Yeah, I just want to remind our listeners that you can join the discussion, ask questions, or make contribution via press the uh, call button you will hold in the caller's queue, or just typing on the live chat any question to me or to Mark, or if you're disagreeing uh, with our uh, thoughts. In September last year, a report from Cardiff University concludes that a major influence operation is systematically manipulating Western media to spread propaganda and disinformation that support Kremlin interest. Researchers from the Crime and Security Research Institute have found evidence that 32 prominent media outlets across 16 countries have been targeted via their reader comments section. Websites which have been repeatedly subjected to these activities include the Daily Mail, Daily Express, and the Times in the UK, America's Fox News and Washington Post, Lo Figaro in France, and Italy's La Stampa. The team identified 242 stories where provocative pro-Russian or anti-Western statements were posted in reactions to articles of relevance to Russia. Mark, what are your views on this? I don't think it's particularly surprising. Um, all superpowers and all large regimes are engaged in uh, manipulating the information space with propaganda. Now, we know that Russian entities have a track record of engaging in disinformation operations. I think one of the, 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 the sort of classic example is the Internet Research Agency, which operates essentially a troll farm that uh, create fake social media accounts to engage in politics abroad. So targeting international audiences has long been a tactic used by uh, Russian entities in the information space. And, you know, there's increasingly evidence to suggest that uh, a lot of these entities attack uh, or try to undermine democratic societies, uh, sow instability and promote conflict internally so that the resources of these societies are directed inwards and they're not directed against foreign states. Um, You know, there is a part, a very interesting part of this report, these comments on the uh, international media outlets were then fed back to a range of Russian language media outlets who used them as the pages of the stories about politically controversial events. So do you think this is the standard approach of Russia in, in such a war or such a conflict? I mean, I think it's, it's one of many approaches, but actually I think it's, it's an increasingly common approach because in order to accurately dominate the information space, or at least to successfully do it, if you can control the narrative as much as possible, then that, that's an asset. So to create this idea that there's an artificial vox pops, an artificial community that support your argument, is to increase the legitimacy of your argument. So we've seen, um, we've seen, for example, before there's been cases where Internet research agency trolls, obviously Russian trolls, have had their tweets cited in mainstream media as being opinions belonging to real people. We've seen examples where uh, Iran or Russian-connected entities have set up Facebook groups, uh, events in the U.S., you know, so they're actually just creating anonymous accounts that then create events. So they're actually trying to generate some form of public uh, demonstration or public outrage about a certain thing. And, you know, I've seen a number of cases myself where uh, propagandists have even created fake websites about that and as if those uh, websites were their enemies so that they can try and control the narrative of their enemy and then use that against the enemy. So I think pretending to be the enemy, uh, pretending to, to astroturf, to create false opinions and then using them to boost your point is actually a very an increasingly common tactic we're seeing. Yeah, and I, I saw in your Twitter you um, retweet the thread by Kamil Galiv about this Z symbol. If you just explain to us why Russia is using this Z letter on this propaganda campaign. The Z symbol is very interesting. Um, I mean, firstly, the, the Russian, I think, officially they've stated that it stands for victory, Z for victory. But others have hypothesized that it's a way of identifying specific Russian army units coming from certain directions, like Z is to come from the West. Um, 
but the problem is <laughs> so it doesn't matter what what this means it's become yeah. a symbol beyond its literal meaning so we've had russians now uh, making z formations wearing t-shirts with z putting z on their cars we saw that russian um athlete uh, i think he was disciplined because he had a z symbol on his chest so it's become a, a way of demonstrating solidarity with the russian invasion um but at the same time the the kind of myth surrounding its creation has has led it this powerful symbolic quality and i and i sometimes worry now is that there's going to be a lot of conspiracy theories about this z just like we had with q because some people dispute the the origins of it yeah and um, regarding this campaign uh mark do you think russia lost the war of disinformation and propaganda oh i think that's a tough one because it's a long war you know these mm. propaganda wars are never short um uh, they tend to 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 go on and take on a life of their own i think you know the conversations i've already had show that there has been a measure of ex- of success in distracting people from the main uh, the main kind of aspect of the invasion so all the whataboutism which russia is kind of well known for you know instead of talking about the case i'll say well what about syria what about libya a lot of people have been focusing on other things for example like racism from the european media which is important um and also you know uh, western hypocrisy also important but the fact that people are actually having these conversations and these conversations are are being quite prominent also means that it's taking away uh emphasis on russia's invasion and and successfully managing to con- shift people's focus on something else so i think in that way sam i think there has been a success to it uh, yeah. at the same time in the fog of war you know it's very hard to get accurate information and all that is required is not for you to put something credible out there all you need to do is put a counter narrative out there and if there's a counter narrative it gives anyone ammunition or a means of saying but what about this perspective and already in many conversations i've had you know people are talking about ukrainian nazis or talking about you know um you know the 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 kind of the fact that uh people are exaggerating russian uh, attacks or exaggerating the numbers of people killed or not so i think it's hard to say that this is successful but i w- i would say that there is already an impact from this this propaganda and disinformation yeah and this morning you um tweeted about a thread about suspicious amplification and engagement farming on ukraine related hashtags what were your finding in this thread so this thread was interesting i mean i mean i mentioned it a little bit earlier but what i found was that hundreds of accounts were engaging in sending the, the same type of tweet now this tweet is again people were instructed to retweet for russia or like for ukraine and the idea is that this kind of tweet just encourages people to like and retweet it's a way of encouraging engagement but what i think was significant and it's important to emphasize this is that they were just trying to they were trying to create the too much noise on the hashtag so drown out useful and important information on the the the, the ukrainian related hashtags so like ukraine russian war ukraine or i stand with ukraine they were trying to drown these out so if you clicked on top tweets if you went to search for a tweet like ukraine or search for a hashtag like ukraine you would more you would probably see a load of these tweets that were just saying retweet for russia and like for ukraine and these are designed to just kind of uh, dilute the important information and make finding accurate information difficult but they're also meant to create a false parity they're meant to create this idea that this is not a, a war about a huge power against a smaller power this is just a battle between two sides ukraine and russia and that it's okay to to support either one of them right so it's trying to remove the moral problem of 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 the war by just turning it into a game between two teams so i think this was the significant thing about this manipulation and we have to bear in mind osama that this is these were tens of thousands of tweets right all of these tweets this technique violates twitter's terms and conditions yet it's so common 
So again, I think this really reflects a problem we're having with the social media companies where they're really not uh, policing the manipulation and the propaganda on their platform. Yeah, actually, this is my my um, question, Mark. The, the tech giant like Twitter, Facebook, or whatever the, the, the social media platform is, last week Twitter announced that it banned more than 100 accounts that pushed the pro-Russian hashtag and participating in what they called coordinated inauthentic behavior. So what do you think? This tech giant are working hard to manipulate and stop this um, trolls and propaganda and abusive comments or not? I think they're doing something. But one thing that's very important to, to bear in mind is that these social media companies, including Twitter, they only act when they're pressured to. And now there is a lot of pressure because of sanctions on uh, Russia, and because obviously America is 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 you know sees Russia now as as an enemy, or it has done traditionally, but especially now. So there is political pressure on Twitter to do something, to take action. However, ordinarily Twitter wouldn't and, and are quite slow to do anything about it. And when they do it, it's not comprehensive. So just as an example, I also did a thread recently about something related to this. I did an audit of Twitter takedowns. Now, I know there is a bot network in the I Stand With Putin accounts, 150 accounts, right, yeah. that are definitely fake accounts, right? Hacked accounts that used to belong to real people have been stolen to spread propaganda and marketing. However, I know for a fact that even though Twitter suspended over 100 accounts, they also didn't suspend about 50% of this bot network and that are definitely bots, right? So I don't know how they can suspend over 100 accounts. But then leave up 75 accounts that I can definitely tell are fake. So it just it just reflects two things. It reflects either they're not able to, or they're unwilling to. Now, whichever one of those you you wish to to choose in believing is is, is up to you. Hmm. I think there is a problem uh, in your voice again, Mark. I hope you fix it. Yeah, am I back? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now is okay. Um, let's take Moi from our callers. If you just unmute yourself, please, and go ahead. Um, Moe? Or Mo? Mohammed, right? Hi, yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead. So, um, so here's the thing. Uh, you know, just so we're on the same page, Mark, it does seem to me uh, as if in your de- in 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 um, in defining things. You seem to define anything that's pro-Russia as propaganda and anything that's pro-Ukraine as just, you know, simple information, just truth and telling what it is. There's always this element when you say propaganda, and and, and English is not my first language, but um, my understanding of the word propaganda is something that is kind of cloaked in lie, you know, hyperbole, exaggeration. Uh, a fib, but it's definitely anything but the simple truth. Uh, uh, it, mm. To me, uh, as someone who pays attention to to uh, to all these trolls and these troll farms, you know, I, I see them as people who are. It's like keyboard for hire. The, the people are being paid a, a sum of money, and they're told. In fact, there's times when they're lavishly provided for, and they're told, "Now here's here's a keyboard." His his monthly or weekly payment go crazy. Here's what we need you to uh, to put out there. Your job is to shape or reshape, you know, public opinion. Uh, you know, I am a, a supporter of the anti-war mov- movement, and and so far, you know, that movement is 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 a movement that has neither supported or you know turned against Ukraine or Russia. But they're talking about. You know, uh, you know what's what's there on the ground? What's going on in the ground? What's Russia's real? What, what's Russia's uh, motive into going into this war? Um, I'm not going to say whether it's it's um, it's legitimate or or not, but but it's still something that ought to be considered when we start evaluating things and saying this is propaganda and this is truth. Uh, this is this is a troll and this is just someone who believes uh, uh, in in what they're saying. So, so where do you draw the line, really? Because as far as I see, and I've been following you for a couple months now, you know, I tend to agree with everything you've, you've, you've uh, you know, posited on your tweets. 
except on the what about what aboutism issue. I yeah. think we Arabs and Muslims have been dealt the best golden cards, and if we do not capitalize on it now, that card, you know, we will let that opportunity slip right through our hands. This, you know, we've been, you know, victimized by this media obfuscation for so long, and now we get an opportunity that is golden, and we're going to capitalize on it. We're going to give the Palestinian the Palestinians and the Syrians and the Iraqis and all the, the town, downtrodden people of the world, give them some visibility and we will not relent, nor should we. What's your take, Mark? Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Mark, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Mo, for that. Um, yeah, I think there's a few things here. I mean, firstly, we need to make a distinguished. There is propaganda does not need to be falsehoods, right? So propaganda is, is in theory, any information designed to persuade or be persuasive. So what I would say is that we there is Ukrainian propaganda. Of course there is. I mentioned some of it. And of course, there's U yeah. uh, Russian propaganda too. And I think in these situations, when you, I mean, you can see some propaganda is more clear than others, because if you see, for example, state-controlled media spreading particular messages, then it's more likely to be propaganda. Also, historically, if you if you look at propaganda, um, there's patterns in it. So one of the ones I mentioned is a good comparison between how, for example, we, we know that the uh, Russian, it was very soon before the Russians accused the Ukrainians of using civilians as human shields, right? We see, we see exactly the same thing in Israel. We see the same thing in Israel and Palestine when the Israelis accused the Palestinians uh, of using human shields, right? So I'm, I'm not actually making a massive distinction between what is Russian uh, propaganda and Ukrainian propaganda. I am making a distinction between the priorities in which I, I choose to 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 study it because I'm I would see myself as someone who is anti-imperial. I'm I'm definitely anti-war, and in this case, I do believe that Russian is the aggressor and that I should prioritize studying their propaganda. And that's not to say that the Ukrainians don't have propaganda. They do, but I'm just prioritizing the studying of that. As for the what aboutism thing, that that is something that I think is is complex because I I completely agree. You know, Western media is hypocritical. Uh, the, the way the West treats Israel is, is you know, it, it ignores their crimes. It ignores their apartheid. This is absolutely true. And I completely understand the need to, to raise that issue. I think one of the issues I have is that that can also be used um, to benefit, in this case, I would say, the immediate aggressors, the invaders of Ukraine. And I think that can be a problem. I think um, it's, it can serve to benefit in this case say the russian regime because it gets people talking about another thing it gets them talking about another crime and and whilst that's important in, in terms of raising awareness of the victims i think it's hard when we create this hierarchy of support for people i mean one of the, i had this discussion recently and, and when you know when we saw what was happening in Gaza, it wouldn't be useful for people to say well what about people in the democratic republic of congo what about boko haram when the problem with whataboutism is that it can lead to a constant chain of um, saying, well, what about this other thing? Because in every region, people have their priorities, right? You know, obviously, I think in, in, in the region we both live in, we've both grown up in, well, I've grown up in, in the Middle East, that the Palestinian, uh, you know, the Palestinian cause is dear to most of our hearts. So it's understandable that people care about it. But at the same time, there's also other causes out there, whether they're in Africa or East Asia that are all important. How do we justify not talking about them when there's something that we are focusing on? I think it's a tricky line, and I don't think it's an easy one to negotiate. I just think that um, given the, the 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 momentous invasion and the the sheer death toll in a few days, I think it was important for the media to prioritize it at least uh, for a short amount of time, or at least a significant amount of time. And I think when one has to talk about other causes, like whether it's Palestine or Yemen or something, then do so, but not in a way that's like trying to diminish the suffering of others, right? I'd be like, you know, look what's happening in Palestine. Look what these Israeli soldiers are doing to Palestinians. I don't have to bring Ukraine into it, or I don't have to bring Russia into it, if that makes sense, because I feel that's all that's doing is making a comparison between suffering and creating hierarchies in that suffering, if that makes sense. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you more for the question, and thank you for your point. And uh, just for our uh, um, listeners, uh, we still have 10 minutes. So this is a time if you need to ask a question or argue, make your argument with what Mark said or disagree with whatever you want. 
or there is um, the live chat on the right uh, there you can type your uh, comment and we uh, can discuss it together so um mark if i ask you about the your own recipe for anyone on social media to identify propaganda trolls what are the red flags Um, Mark, if you just unmute yourself, please. Um, I think the, a universal thing, Osama, that I can say is that one way to identify a troll and one way to stop engaging is if you're speaking to someone and they are not interested, one, in your point of view, but, you know, they're just continually acting in a way that's designed to antagonize you or bait you, then there's no point in having a discussion with them. Because one of the problems, if you're a troll, if you're like a paid keyboard for hire or Hasbro person or whatever, then you're not going to change your mind. And discussions on social media aren't about convincing other people of your point. But it's normal in human interaction to, you know, uh, try and listen to what someone's saying, try to acknowledge that you're listening, try to speak to them. But often on Twitter, uh, on, on any social media, Facebook included, uh, trolls will just either continue attacking or show no signs of ever listening or to or conceding to your point. So what's the point in discussing something with someone if, for example, they could just be paid to have a particular point of view? It's a waste of time. Hmm. So the number, it depends on... on what in in this war the number of followers the the frequency of tweeting the z symbol it's a new account just to g give us a, a recipe you you are the yeah. expert here <laughs> yeah well the rest, i mean there's no there's no silver bullet but let me say um yeah okay so a few things if it's a really old account and doesn't have many total tweets that's suspicious if it uh you know, if it um, has like a generic profile picture, a generic heading picture, that's also suspicious. If it tweets in multiple languages, it's suspicious. If it tweets about crypto, that's also another red flag. <laughs> um, that's definitely. Also, another sign, if they have loads and loads of tweets, and I'm talking hundreds of thousands. So if it looks very spammy, that's also an indicator that it might be a troll or a bot because it's so active. You know, some people have hundreds of thousands of tweets, which means they're literally tweeting 24 hours a day. Uh, that's something that you can also look at. You can also look at the fact, do they seem to take any breaks in their tweeting? Do they sleep, right? That's something you can kind of check. So these are all ways you can kind of uh, do it. That's a, sort of a recipe. Yeah, my final question is a personal one. One day you upload a video on your YouTube channel, talk about the abusive trolls to your work and you mention some abusive comments you have experienced in the recent years so during this um the last two weeks during this war um did you experience such an abusive comments or threats or whatever <laughs> you know what actually the last two weeks have been pretty civilized uh, i haven't oh, been uh, attacked um, yeah i know it's a because surprise. you know I mean, it's 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 a war about civilized people as you know yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the hashtag uncivilized now. Um, yeah, that's a, that's exactly it. But actually, I haven't been. Um, but I, I expect I will soon enough. Um, you know, I know I know death threats are pretty common on, on Twitter, and I've received them. I've received rape threats. Um, but it's it's been a while, actually. So I'm I'm quite relieved. Brilliant. I want to thank you very much, Mark, for joining me today. It was yeah. a great discussion. And uh, congratulations on your recent work. Fascinating work, an amazing one. And okay, we have more again. One last question. Thank you. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay, more go ahead. Okay, anyway. Okay, thank you, Mo. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for our uh, listeners and stay, keep in touch, Mark, and stay safe. Thank you very much. Thank you, Osama. Bye bye. Bye.